On today's episode of Inside the Nest, we're joined by one of the KSU men's tennis all-time greats and current assistant coach, Simon Pritchard. I'm Nolan Alexander, and Inside the Nest is the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics, and it's brought to you by Fifth Third Bank. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. If you're unfamiliar with Simon, he's uh, pretty much been a mainstay in KSU men's tennis over the past decade. He's been a part of 53 of the 99 wins that KSU men's tennis has accumulated, and that's been as a player or a coach. On the court, number one in program history in doubles, number two in program history in singles, four-time first team All-A-Sun, two-time All-A-Sun doubles team. He was the A-Sun Men's Tennis Scholar Athlete of the Year from 2015 through 17, a two-time A-Sun Male Student Athlete of the Year, so that encompasses all sports, and he got it done in the classroom at 3.97 GPA with a degree in economics in May of 2017. He was a member of the Coles Scholar Program, which accepts only the top 20 business students in the Coles College of Business. He's recently earned his MBA from Kennesaw State, and he's got a great knowledge of not only KSU tennis, the student athletes there, but the world itself and the current economy. Great answers here from Simon Pritchard on Inside the Nest. Simon, we're excited to have you on Inside the Nest. What's life looked like for you lately? It's been tough, you know. Um, the guys kind of had an abrupt end to the season. We were in um, we were in Jacksonville State um, playing a match, and it got rained out the first day, uh, so we had to come back the next day uh, and finish it out. And then it was later that later that afternoon uh, that we found out that our season was going to be cut short and stuff. Um, and then from there, it was just kind of a little bit of damage control, trying to get all of our guys home because we have so many international players on our team trying to get a kid home to the UK, a kid home to Japan, a kid home to Spain. We just had so many, so many international kids that we wanted to make sure were safe uh, and getting home to their families as soon as possible. So it kind of, uh, my job kind of switched from tennis coach to uh, kind of just like making sure that those guys were okay and, and getting home safe. But but they got home safe and they're all fine now and at home with their families. And uh, since then, we've just been uh, just been missing them and can't wait for them to get back to campus. Really. So you were a travel agent for a while, is what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, yeah. No, I, I took on a part-time job as a travel agent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How did the team handle everything when uh, the news first broke about this season being cut short? Yeah, I mean, it was super disappointing. Um, the guys were were heartbroken, really, um, because like it was the point in the season where things were starting to get exciting. We were starting to win a few matches. Uh, we were starting to really kind of hit our stride, especially some of the younger guys on the team, the freshmen. Um, so they were gutted in that sense. But I think that the the seniors on the team were were just as distraught because they just didn't know where they stood with regards to kind of like another year of eligibility, like all of 
of the rumors were flying around at the time, um, but there was nothing really concrete which we could give them. Um, so they were all like super, super distraught that the season was cut short just before we were about to start conference play. And um, they were all super excited to kind of get into, into the conference matches and really show what they can do. And the goal for them this year was to try and win the conference and stuff. And the fact that they never really got an opportunity to do that was tough. Um, but the seniors kind of, they're looking forward to kind of like the fact that they got that extra year of eligibility and uh, maybe, maybe get a good shot at it this coming year. Every year, each team has a new storyline and there is no question the 1920 roster had a new storyline as well for those seniors and then lots of youth being served as well on the roster. What strides do you think those underclassmen made in the time that y'all were able to be on the courts? Yeah, I think that the the upperclassmen did a really good job of helping the underclassmen kind of like catch up with them as fast as possible. We uh, we not only had the the underclassmen coming in, um, but the two freshmen which we had uh, were from very different kind of cultures. One coming from Japan and one one coming from the UK and uh, Seiru and Harvey. Um, and so it took a little bit of adjusting too. And I think that that kind of showed a little bit in their results early in the fall and then a little bit early in the spring. Um, but the upperclassmen kind of like did a really good job of showing some, some strong leadership and kind of like helped carry them through the tough patches which happened at the start of the season. Um, and like I said, they kind of really started to hit their stride uh, when we were at the midpoint in our season. And I think all credit to the underclassmen for persevering, but, but again, kind of like more credit to the upperclassmen for showing such, such good leadership towards the younger guys on the team. It was, it was really good to see as a coach uh, when those upperclassmen were able to kind of take those leadership roles on and, almost take a little bit uh, a little bit of pressure off you as a coach uh, in knowing that kind of you've got a couple of volunteers on the team uh, as seniors with Seb Osario and late Drew Leahy and Harrison Wood. Those guys, uh, those guys were really helpful in, in getting those underclassmen up to the level which they need to be at. So given that the roster is so international, how soon was it, if so, for some kids that they were able to get back on tennis courts given their nation probably had different lockdown restrictions for times? Yeah, uh, it was extremely difficult. Um, I know that for a few of them, uh, they're still they're still not able to get out on the tennis court. Uh, so things are starting to open up for our guys in the UK with Harvey Conway, uh, in Japan for, for Seiru. Um, but I know for a fact that Seb in uh, Colombia, uh, he's still not able to practice regularly uh, due to the lockdown. Uh, one of our exciting incoming freshmen, uh, Raul, he is uh, still on lockdown in Bolivia. Uh, so that's going to be tough for him. Um, but then for the rest of them, some of the Americans on the team, um, they were able to kind of like continue practicing after, after the brief lockdown over here. Um, and then uh, India uh, with, with Kevin Patel and, and Muratunjay Badola, uh, those two guys are struggling a little bit to get on court as well, just given kind of like the strict nature which those nations are taking with the lockdown. So they're doing everything that they can. Uh, we've got an awesome, awesome strength and conditioning coach in Caitlin, and uh, she's been putting in awesome workouts for the guys um, every single week. They've got a workout to do every day. It's just going straight to their app. If they have a gym to go to, they can do it there. If not, then she's giving them opportunities to um, 
do it without all of the weights and stuff. So that's been really helpful to see. And, and that's something which is new this year uh, and has kind of developed through the coronavirus. So I'm, I'm glad that we'll be able to kind of, kind of use that in years going forward as well. Yeah, it's a nice advantage that uh, I guess it's a silver lining of how things have shaken out. And that's good to know that they're continuing workouts more so than, I guess, just working on hand-eye coordination, playing a little Wii tennis, because that's what I would think I would be doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think, I think that's what some of them were stuck doing for a little bit. But uh, no, they're persevering and they're still getting their workouts in. So you're an international product as well. You're a native of Wales and you came over to the States to play for Kennesaw State given this whole pandemic scenario and in our international kids in the roster and having to communicate with different countries, has it put in uh, another perspective for you of your kind of your journey of what it's meant to you to be able to come over here to the States and play. And then you had a full-time job after, and now you're into coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when I first came over here, I think from, from my first week here to where I'm at now um, I have a much much deeper understanding of kind of like the difference in cultures uh, when I first came over here I was I was extremely far and I didn't didn't necessarily understand the culture over here and I didn't necessarily understand the extent to which cultures can differ uh, across across the world um, what I learned over the course of my four years here playing um, was kind of how how different each player can be. Um, and I think that that's almost been solidified through my coaching. Uh, trying to get through to different players in different ways is, is very unique. So we've got uh, Seiru Tezuka on, on the guy's side from Japan. Uh, the way in which kind of we coach him, Matt and I coach him, is, is extremely different to ha perhaps the way in which I coach Sebastian Osario from Colombia. Um, like they're very different personalities. They both work extremely, extremely hard. But for them to do that and, and for you to kind of resonate with them, uh, you have to go about it in different ways. And when I first came over here, perhaps I didn't have that understanding and I didn't, I didn't understand those differences uh, between the cultures. Um, but particularly over the last seven years, I think that that's developed. And, and I think with me being an international student um, <laughs> at the time, uh, it's definitely helped me kind of like learn that a little bit faster uh, than had I not had that international kind of uh, knowledge prior to uh, prior to my coaching career. What's an example of something that you had to learn the hard way when you first adjusted to U.S. culture as a freshman? Um, I think that one of the toughest things um, was was perhaps not necessarily the the U.S. culture, uh, but it was it was difficult for me to adjust to. Uh, the team environment in, in tennis with tennis being such an individual sport throughout all of your junior career um, when you come to America having any kind of team experience is going to be extremely helpful uh, and I had a, I had an okay amount of that but when I got here it kind of uh, really really hit home and hit hard with me that <laughs> this was not I was not the only focus I was not the only one that I needed to think about that I had 10 of the guys on the team that were just as important as me. And if one of those started to drop off, then that was going to impact the team's results um, just as negatively as if I started to drop off. So I think like kind of what it showed me over the course of my four years was that, you know, it's not, it's not only about the individual when it comes to tennis, like when it comes to college tennis. And that's the thing which I grew to love about it. Like you've got to, you've got to view every 
every player individually, of course, and everyone has their own specific things that they can work on. But the team, you have to view them as a whole. Um, otherwise, like you're not going to be a successful team if you have six individuals out there. But if you have six guys working as a team out there, it makes things so much, so much easier. Uh, and that's the awesome thing about college tennis is because you have those six guys really bonding, really meshing together. Uh, that's when you can kind of do special things. And that's when you can really win some big matches and, and win the conference and win matches in NCAAs and, and do special things like that. We'd like to take this time to thank our proud partner, Coca-Cola, for being the beverage choice of KSU Athletics events. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. We'd also like to take a second to thank our healthcare partner, Wellstar Health System. At Wellstar, their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of every person they serve. Their vision is to deliver world-class healthcare to every person, every time. You're listening to Inside the Nest with Simon Pritchard of Kennesaw State Men's Tennis. Well, you adjusted pretty quickly. You're number one in KSU history in doubles, number two in program history in singles, four-time first-team All-A-Sun, two-time All-Conference doubles team selection, tennis scholar athlete of the year. We'll get to the scholarship stuff in a little bit, but as far as your work on the court, obviously being successful in both singles and doubles, did you happen to have a favorite between the two? Um, I definitely had more success in terms of the wins and losses in doubles. Um, I had a lot of, a lot of great partners who I worked with throughout my four years. I wasn't with necessarily one guy throughout the entire time. Um, but that, that's kind of the fun thing about college and the fun thing when I was working with, um, with my, with the coach who used to coach here, Eduardo Rincon, he was always kind of like open with me about kind of like talking about who I wanted to play with, what spot we wanted to play me and things like that. I was always super versatile in that sense. And that's what I loved because it was a little bit different to the way in which my singles career worked, which was right from my freshman year, I ended up playing number one singles um, every single match from freshman through my senior year. So I never really got to kind of see the, the range of levels which kind of came through the lineup. But with the doubles, I kind of got to see that a little bit and I got to see how like different, different levels can really be reflected in doubles number one, doubles number two, doubles number three. Um, and that was really fun. Um, the doubles is definitely, I think, the most entertaining part of the match for the crowd to come and see there was always a lot of energy when I was playing and that's what that's something which I try to embody as a coach I try and make sure that the guys have a lot of energy because that's that's one of the most important things for a doubles team um but yeah no I wouldn't say I necessarily have a favorite um I enjoyed the doubles a lot because I was always out there with someone uh but then even when you start the singles matches uh with the way college tennis works you you've got five other guys on the same courts as you um, all fighting just as hard. So even if they're not on the exact same court as you, you feel like they're right there next to you. And so, so yeah, really enjoyed both thing, both singles and doubles. Since you mentioned you played with a lot of different guys in doubles, how long did it take on average to start to gel and develop a chemistry with another guy in doubles? Yeah, good question. I mean, it's uh, – <clears throat> It, it depends on each player. Like some guys you just don't mesh with and you kind of like sometimes you recognize that really fast. Um, and then other guys you kind of mesh with straight away. Like you play one set with them and in a practice match in, in practice uh, with the team and, and you're like, yeah, I, I feel really comfortable with him. 
Um, but I would say more often than not, it, it's probably the latter where you are meshing really well with them really fast because you're spending so much time with all of these guys on the team, going to conditioning, going to the commons, doing practice, going to class, like all of these things that you get to know them extremely, extremely well. And then going onto a doubles court, you already have a, a strong understanding of their strengths on the singles court and how that translates to the translates to the doubles court. So I would say from a co in a college in a college team it's really not that difficult to adjust between players um but it did it did definitely benefit me when i started to work well with uh specific players so in my sophomore year uh i was particular or no in my junior year i worked a lot with uh manuel castellanos uh we played a ton of matches together uh we played all americans together uh and we did well together there and then in my senior year um lucas de torres kurth and i uh we worked well together as well uh and that was really interesting to see. He was the first time uh, I'd really kind of played consistency, consistently with a left-handed player. Um, and that was a really fun season. I think that we went, we might have gone undefeated in the ace on that year. Um, and that was, that was really good. And it really helped the team just kind of like get that doubles point early on. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed that. Well, Simon, for as much success as you had on the court, you were equally, if not more successful in what you did with your studies. Two-time A-Sun Male Student Athlete of the Year. He graduated from Kennesaw State with a 3.9 GPA in economics. No slouch. You were a President's List honor. Each semester, you're in the KSU Coles Scholar Program, which is only the top 20 business students in the Coles College of Business. A lot of accolades. Looking back on it, what made you so successful in your studies? I'm not too sure why I was successful in my studies. Um, I think that, uh, I think a lot of it was kind of my perspective going through the four years was almost kind of, as long as I take care of the academic side, I can put the rest of my focus into the tennis, which is, which is the main reason why I came to America. It's, it's my, it's my true passion. Um, and I kind of wanted to make sure that the academic side was never going to, never going to affect me once I stepped on the tennis court. And this is something which Matt and I talk with all of the guys about now is constantly like, if you take care of the academics, there's nothing which is going to hold you back when you step on the practice court, let alone when you step on the match court. And so for me, it was kind of a sense of like, let's get this done. And then that lets you do the things uh, which you really want to do, like play matches and compete with the guys. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, like I do, I do have a, I did have a passion for economics, and I still do. Um, <clears throat> and I worked inside the kind of the finance field for a year after uh, after I graduated. Um, it was just kind of the natural transition for me, doing well academically to move into the finance world. Um, but what I kind of found after that year is that I really, really missed kind of like the competitive style of college tennis. And, and I really wanted to kind of give coaching a try. Uh, and I was able to do that through the opportunity presented to me by Matt Emery um, and Mindy, uh, both, both of whom really helped me kind of like get back into college coaching. Um, and I've absolutely loved every minute of it. Finished two years of coaching now, going into my third year, um, and, and really have, have loved all of it. So, uh, so it was a bit of a roller coaster ride in terms of like the way in which I got here, uh, but super pleased with the way it happened.
Inside the Nest is brought to you by the Indy, Kennesaw's newest student house community. The Indy is now accepting applications for the fall of 2020. Visit www.livetheindy.com for more information. See what elevated student housing looks like. If you're enjoying this episode of Inside the Nest, a reminder, we've had plenty of them over the course of the coronavirus pandemic, and they're all available on our website, ksuals.com slash podcasts and our SoundCloud podcast page. You can subscribe to this podcast. It's released every week on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, we're there. All the links available at ksuals.com slash podcasts. Let's get back to the conversation with Simon Pritchard. That's awesome. And you took one of my questions away by answering how you got back into coaching. So since you're a knowledgeable guy on economics, what's your current take on our economy right now, uh, given that you know, stock markets are back up, uh, of course, unemployment's still high. It's, it's really been kind of crazy to predict day by day. What are your thoughts? It's been extremely interesting to kind of like watch how all of this has been developing and changing over the course of the last three, four months. Um, I think I think that we would do a recession. I think that that was a given. I thought that it was going to come a little bit sooner. Uh, and I think that this coronavirus has kind of sped things up. But but one of the things which I've kind of like thought about the most over the last um, over the last few months is that all of these changes which we're going through were almost inevitable. And the coronavirus has, has essentially it's just sped the changes up. So like the way in which like the restaurant field is changing, the way in which like the retail field is changing, the way in which the sports field is changing, all of that was changing towards more of a technological kind of uh, kind of field. Um, and what the coronavirus has done is it's just forced them to make these changes a little bit quicker and it's forced these businesses to evolve into models which they weren't anticipating changing into for perhaps another decade and by kind of like shutting the world down and making these changes like six seven years faster than they're expected to what you've kind of seen is it's almost like survival of the fittest with regards to kind of the companies which have made it through and i think that that's what we're seeing a little bit in the stock market i think that we're seeing the companies in the s p 500 and the dow and the nasdaq all of them are kind of like getting back to the to where they were prior to the coronavirus but what a lot of people don't see and what a lot of people kind of like they view the economy as going back up. What they don't see is that the smaller businesses, the businesses which weren't prepared for this, all of those have kind of like almost faltered away and kind of like have gone into the background. And although that, that, although that doesn't necessarily impact the stock market uh, with regards to like the S&P 500 and, and the Dow, like everyone kind of focuses on, I think it could have some, some negative impacts on, on the economy in the future. But I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it all develops. Like, will the big companies continue to get bigger and bigger, uh, like the coronavirus has kind of allowed them to do right now? Or will the small businesses within, uh, within the economy kind of like come back and kind of have a second wind at some point within the next few years? So, so it'll be interesting to kind of continue watching and stuff for sure. We may have to have a monthly uh, economy with Simon section here on Inside the Nest. How about that? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Last question for you. Uh, speaking of how things are going to change in the future, given if you could blend uh, how you think sports are going to change in the economy as well and technology, as you mentioned, what's one way you think the sport of tennis is going to change in the future, whether that's on the collegiate level, the junior, the professional 
um, anything uh, related to the game itself with travel, technology, economy, et cetera? Yeah, I think that um, I think that tennis is is due for is due for change. We've been a sport which is which has gone through already a significant amount of changes um, with regards to kind of the scoring system uh, and attempts to make us a more uh, kind of entertainment friendly sport. Um, back when I was first starting in college, um, we used to play a full. Uh, a really long set for doubles and then had to play a full match for singles. Uh, we played out the juice, uh, which means when you get to juice, you play advantages. Um, and sometimes the matches could stretch on for four or five hours. Um, it really depended. And what, what I saw over the last seven years is that they're finding ways to kind of, whilst keeping the integrity of the sport and the traditions alive, they're trying to find ways to really speed the sport up to make it entertaining for, uh, for the crowd. And I think that the changes which we'll see uh, for tennis is just ways to make it more entertaining. Um, like I think that what we'll see a little bit more of in the future is like faster points and perhaps a little bit more doubles because that's more the more entertaining style of things. Um, and I think that something which will be extremely important to kind of like the prominence and the growth of tennis is the ability to kind of get some good high level broadcasts of college tennis matches being put out onto ESPNU and ESPN3. Um, that's really going to kind of like grow the sport and it's going to enable people to who are sitting at home watching the TV, it's going to enable them to see how exciting college tennis is. And if they're enjoying it on the TV, then they're really going to have opportunities to kind of like go and watch their local college team play a match. And, and once, once I always say, once we get them through the, through the gates into the tennis complex, well, I have no doubt that they're going to enjoy themselves. But it's just the initial, it's the initial take back that people don't want to kind of like come into the complex because they think it's all really quiet tennis and you've got to be very polite when actually it's not like that at all and once I once I'm able to get some of my friends and colleagues and everyone into the complex they always say to me afterwards they're like I can't believe it was like that and so it's just kind of like spreading the word and I think that the next step in spreading the word is is trying to create relationships with ESPN and with different broadcasters to show to show that on uh, on a media scale. Simon, I agree. Uh, last year I broadcasted my first tennis match and I found a new fondness for the sport. So I think you're exactly right in your prediction there. Yep. Simon, thanks for joining us on Inside the Nest. I really uh, had fun with this conversation. I think Al fans are going to enjoy getting to know you on another level here. Great. Thanks for having me, Nolan. Go Al's. This episode of Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a Fifth Third better. Visit 53.com for more information. I'm Nolan Alexander. I hope you had a lot of fun hearing Simon Pritchard's story. Until next time, go Owls.